so we thank you. With the breath that you've given to us, we thank you. With the breath that you've given to us, Father, we worship your name. And Father, with the breath that you've given to us, we would declare the testimony of the Lord to those around us. We thank you, Father. And Father, for all these things, we give you praise and honor and thanksgiving, Father, in Jesus' name. Well, praise God. Has the Lord given us our breath? Amen. He's given us a very breath, so it's okay for us to use that breath to worship him. Amen. No doubt when we arrive in heaven, uh, we will have to catch up with how well they worship the Lord. Amen. Uh, and so it's good to practice here on the earth while, while we're here because it requires more faith to praise the Lord on the earth than it does in heaven because you can see the Lord in heaven. Amen. Uh, and so... Now, you can't see him here. You can only know him by faith, see him by faith. And so that's why it means a lot uh, to the Lord when we choose to worship him because we have to do it by faith alone and not by the appearance that we see when we arrive in heaven. Amen. Uh, and so uh, let's open up our Bibles to the book. Uh, uh, well, we'll start in 1 Corinthians chapter 6 uh, today. We kind of finished up there last week. Uh, but we're continuing this discussion, so I thought it'd be good just to reread that, uh, those verses there. In 1 Corinthians chapter 6, it says in verse 19, What know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, so the Holy Ghost is in you. And remember, uh, earlier, uh, the Lord Jesus said that the Holy Spirit is with you and shall be in you, but now the Holy Ghost is in you. So when he was prophesying that in the Gospels, uh, he was telling about the day that was to come that the Holy Spirit uh, was currently with them. Well, why was the Holy Spirit with them? Because he was in Jesus uh, and on Jesus. Uh, and so that means he was with the disciples. They weren't qualified at that point in time yet because they weren't born again to have the Spirit of God in them. But Jesus said, someday you'll have the Holy Spirit in you. Uh, and if you go over to, in fact, we'll just take a small side journey. If you just go over a couple of books to, to Galatians chapter 3, it tells us in um, uh, verse 13, and uh, in the next couple weeks, you will see Galatians 3.13 or hear that many times in, in all the different services for some reason, just one of those things that all the planets have come into alignment, and so that's okay. Uh, but he said that Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. We're thankful that Jesus did it, but why did he do it, right? And we talked about this morning about uh, understanding answers the question why. So the church knows that Jesus went to the cross, but why did he go to the cross? What value was it to go to the cross? Uh, and he says, of course, you know, a lot of people say, well, it was to pay uh, for our sins, which is true, but that's not really the end game, right? The, the, the payment for our sins was still not the why. It, it was, it was uh, part of the necessity to get to the end, but the end wasn't just paying for your sins. He tells us at the end in verse 14 that the blessing of Abraham might come on the Gentiles through Jesus Christ that we might receive the promise of the what? Of the Spirit through faith, right? And so Galatians 3.14 tells us that the end game of redemption was to get the Spirit of God in us. So uh, in order to do that, he started having to back up. Well, what does it take to uh, allow the Spirit of God to be in you. Well, you have to have a spirit that is not dead, a spirit that is alive unto God. 
Uh, and of course, humanity, after you go through the age of accountability, you die spiritually. And so the Lord had to back it up. Well, then how do we, how do we get the spirit alive? Well, we have to get them born again. Uh, remember, Jesus told Nicodemus, you must be born again. A man must be born again. And of course, Nicodemus didn't understand that in John chapter 3. Uh, and so our spirits needed to be made brand new to be qualified to receive the Holy Spirit. And so he backed up further then. Okay, what do we have to do to get the spirit born again? Well, the spirit uh, is not alive. So uh, the reason it's not alive is because of sin. So how do we deal with the sin? Well, then he had to back up. Well, the payment for sin needs to be the shedding of blood. He tells us in the book of Hebrews that without the shedding of blood, there is no remission of sin. Uh, and of course, he sprinkled some of these things in the old covenant of the Passover lamb and different things, showing that there's a need for blood to be shed for the remission of sins. So he said, okay, we need to pay for these sins. Well, then how do we do that? Well, let's back up. Well, then, then we need to have a per- perfect sacrifice. So then how do we do that? Well, we've got to back up. We've got to get Jesus into the earth as a perfect sacrifice. Well, how do we do that? Well, we've got to back up. We've got to get a virgin birth. Uh, well, how do we get a, a virgin birth in the earth? So he kept backing up, and that's why it took him from the book of uh, uh, Genesis chapter 3 up until the, uh, uh, the end of the Gospels to finish all this work because he kept backing up. Well, how do we get to the end goal as a spirit but there's a thousand things that have to be done between now and that end goal. Uh, and so all of those things that he did on the cross was to get to Galatians 3.14. Uh, and that's really, you know, when people elevate uh, the sacrifice of the blood of Jesus for the payment of sins as the ultimate goal of redemption, that, that is not the ultimate goal of redemption. It's a necessary part to get to the ultimate goal, but it, it wasn't the end goal because if all we had our sins if all we had was our sins uh, washed away by the blood of Jesus, we would still be dead spiritually. Uh, and so uh, it, it was important to do that because we couldn't be made alive until the sin problem was dealt with. But uh, the, once the sin problem was dealt with, he still there was more work to do. Amen. Uh, and so, it, so if you understand redemption, and that's why we, we spend a lot of time uh, talking about this whole plan because it, it, everything really from, from Galatians chapter, or Genesis chapter 3 to the end of uh, Jude, it's all about the end game, right? How do we get to uh, the, the end of redemption, which is to get the Spirit of God in humanity? And of course, Revelation then talks about a different dispensation there. Uh, but uh, right now, he said, uh, Know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, which is in you? So that's a big deal, right? That the Spirit of God is in you. And that's what, that's what uh, one of the things, one of the primary things, if not, uh, not the most important thing that differentiates Christianity from every other religion. You know, every other religion, they serve a God on the outside of them. They serve a God that they can see with an idol or see from another book, you know, uh, like the, the Quran uh, for uh, the Muslims in, in Islam. Uh, they serve the God Allah, which they say is the same God as Jehovah, but it's not. It's, it's, uh, uh, you know, I was thinking about this the other day. Uh, throughout all Western civilization, uh, even if they don't acknowledge it, all Western civilization, uh, as far as morality and ethics and law, is founded upon Christian and Judeo-Christian principles, either the Old Testament Levitical law or the New Testament uh, do unto others as you'd have them do unto you. Uh, they base all of, of, uh, uh, all of character, uh, all of how to treat humanity well, uh, how to treat each other well, how to base uh, just and fair laws upon Judeo-Christian principles. 
Nobody bases their laws on the Quran. Why? Because the Quran says, if we don't like you, we'll just cut your head off. Uh, it means there's going to be a lot fewer people really quick, amen? And of course, you know, uh, with all the conflict going on in the world with, with, the, uh, with the Islamic people attacking uh, Jerusalem right now or, or Israel, you know, they're murdering all these Jews in a horrendous way. But the thing that the world doesn't appreciate, they've got to know it, but they ignore it. They act like, well, if the Muslims would just kill all the Jews, then the Muslims would be happy. They're not going to be happy. If they kill all the Jews, you know who they're going to kill next? They're going to kill all the Christians. If they kill all the Christians, you know who they're going to kill next? Anybody who's not a Muslim. This is not a, a, a peaceful uh, religion. This is a religion of war and death. Uh, because it's not founded upon uh, the great God, Jehovah, who is a loving and kind God. Uh, and so that's just our, our small dissertation about the, the, uh, uh, the, uh, about the Islamic religion. Don't be fooled by all, all these people, you know, who are, we're peaceful there. Well, you're not peaceful. You just look at the hundreds of thousands of people protesting around the world uh, because Israel wants to be, uh, wants to be in existence. Uh, and so uh, don't fool yourself into thinking, well, if we just pacify them and just go along with them, we'll be okay. No, you are on the list. You're just down on the list further down, right? If you're a Christian, you're, you're second on the list. If you're a Gentile, not uh, uh, an atheist or, or agnostic, you're third on the list, amen? Uh, in, in their religion, there's only Muslims and everyone else dies. Uh, and so in Christianity, there's Christianity and everybody else, and we want you to live. Uh, and so we're going to try to encourage you to become a Christian, amen? Well, what if you don't become a Christian? Well, that's on you. That's not on me. I'm not going to kill you, obviously. I'm going to pray for you until your last breath on the earth. And then the Lord will deal with you on, on the other side of the spirit realm. Uh, and so <clears throat> based on your choices in, in this earth. So uh, the Holy Ghost, which is in you, that is the end game of redemption, amen? Uh, and it's such a big deal. Uh, the Spirit of God in you is such a huge deal, such a complete change of the order of mankind that all of this work was done for this benefit right here. Uh, and of course, we know in the Pentecostal world, there's two works of the Holy Spirit in you, right? The first one occurs when you are born again and you receive the Holy Spirit. Remember in John chapter 20, after Jesus was raised from the dead, uh, he spoke, to, in fact, uh, we'll, we'll just go over there too. We'll just follow these little rabbit paths. We'll come back. We'll keep coming back to 1 Corinthians 6. But in John chapter 20, because you, you need to know where these things are in, in your Bible. Um, and so in John chapter 20, this is uh, after the resurrection. And so it says uh, in verse 19, that then the same day at evening being the first day of the week when the doors were shut where the disciples were assembled for fear of the Jews. See, they were still afraid, right? The disciples after the resurrection of Jesus were still afraid. Now, later on, they were fearless, right? Well, what changed? Well, two things changed. One is uh, they were born again, and two, they were uh, filled with the Holy Ghost. Uh, and so he said here that they were afraid of the Jews. Well, the, did the Jews suddenly change and become nice people after uh, a while? No, they were still mean and hateful and, and desired their destruction of the, of the Christian movement. It says, came Jesus who stood in their midst and said unto them, peace be still. And when they... When he had so said, he showed unto them his hands and his side, just to prove to them that he was really who he said he was. And were the disciples glad when they saw the Lord? Then said Jesus to them again, Peace be unto you, as my Father has sent me, even so send I you. And when he had said this, he breathed on them and said unto them, Receive ye the Holy Ghost. 
Uh, and, and for whatever reason, the King James translated uh, the Holy Spirit oftentimes as ghost, but it's always the same word for spirit, right? Uh, it would have been as well translated and probably more accurately translated than spirit because ghost sounds a little uh, like uh, uh, Casper type of uh, uh, person, right? He's not Casper the Holy Ghost, right? He's just the Holy Spirit. <clears throat> and so, uh, so what other... Uh, event occurred in the whole history of humanity when God breathed on a man? When did, it, when did that occur another time? Adam. Adam. And what did it say that Adam became after God breathed on him? He said he became a living soul, right? Which he became alive spiritually at that point in time uh, in the old covenant. So before that, he was just a lump of clay, right? And the Bible says that God breathed into his nostrils the breath of life and he became a living soul or became uh, alive uh, unto God uh, in that sense. Uh, and so there's obviously people today who are still lumps of coal who need the Holy Ghost breathed in them, don't they, right? Uh, that's a different discussion. But, uh, and so God breathed on them, and uh, when God breathed on them, they became alive. They became alive spiritually. So they get born again right here, right? They became born again. And when you get born again, you know, you do get... Uh, uh, the Holy Spirit in that sense, right? He comes in, dwells in you, uh, but it's not the fullness of the Holy Spirit. So this is the disciples. So uh, what other event of the Holy Spirit did the disciples go through later on? We're at the end of the book of John. Uh, what's the next book in the Bible after the book of John? Book of Acts, what occurred in Acts chapter 2? <clears throat> it says in Acts chapter 2, right? Uh, uh, that uh, in Acts chapter 2, it says in verse 4, uh, it says... Now, well, let's start in verse 1. It says, And when the day of Pentecost was fully come, so Pentecost was by law, was 50 days after Passover. So Jesus was crucified on Passover, right? Uh, and so uh, 50 days after that, then, is this time right here. So between that, so uh, uh, I don't know exactly when it was uh, after the Passover when Jesus appeared to the disciples, it was probably within a few days of the resurrection that he appeared to them. Uh, and so now we've got 50 days uh, from that point of time till now. It says, and when the day of Pentecost was fully come, they were all with one accord in one place. Now, if you remember, they were still hiding out, right? In chapter one, it says they were still hiding out, praying. So they were still a little fearful of the Jews. <clears throat> and, and so they were still hiding and praying, right? In, in uh, this upper room here. And it says, and suddenly there came round uh, from heaven uh, as of a, a rushing mighty wind, and it filled all the house where they were sitting. And there appeared unto them cloven tongues like as a fire, and it sat upon each of them, and they were all filled with the Holy Ghost. Again, that same ghost there is Numa. It's a spirit there, filled with the Holy Spirit. And began to speak with other tongues as the Spirit gave them utterance. So this is the fullness of the Spirit that the Lord desires how many people in a church to experience? All of us, right? Uh, he never intended for the church to only be born again. He intended the church to be born again and be filled with the Spirit. That's the fullness of the Spirit that, that God prophesied that is the, the blessing of Abraham that he wants us to have. Now, the fullness of the blessing that he wants us to have is to be born again and to be filled with the Spirit. And so, uh, so uh, but, you know, you, you can make it to heaven with just the Holy Spirit. But you have no power, right? The Bible says uh, in, um, well, we're in chapter 2, in Acts 1, 8. 
He says, but you shall receive power. That word power there is dunamis, the supernatural miracle working power of God, after that, you re- after that the Holy Ghost has come upon you. So he's telling us to born again people. They are born again. They have the Holy Spirit, but they don't have the power of the Holy Spirit. They just have the Holy Spirit in the sense of being born again. Uh, but they need the power of the Holy Spirit to do the work of the Lord. He says, after he's come upon you, and then, and not before then, but then you shall be witnesses unto me both in Jerusalem and Judea and in Samaria and unto the uttermost part of the earth. <clears throat> and so, notice after the disciples received the Holy Spirit, then it says uh, immediately uh, that Peter, well, they had some things to say there, but it says Peter stood up and started preaching to them in Acts chapter 2. Uh, in verse 14 it says, But Peter standing up with the eleven lifted up his voice and said unto them. Well, who's the them? The them is all these uh, uh, myriad of people dwelling in Jerusalem. It says in verse 5, out of every nation under heaven. So now Peter is, pro- is, pre- is preaching to them boldly, uh, without fear, uh, whereas just uh, minutes before, they were fearful. Days before, they were still in fear of the Jews and hiding out. But now, with the power of the Holy Spirit, being filled with the Holy Spirit, they have the supernatural miracle work and power available to them and in them uh, where they can actually be witnesses to the Lord by his direction in Acts 1.8. And so now uh, the fullness of your Christian walk is never going to be experienced until you receive the, bat- we call it the baptism of the Holy Spirit. Because that's, uh, there's several terms used for that. Uh, one is the baptism of the Holy Spirit. One is the Holy Spirit come upon you. One is being filled with the Spirit. It's all talking about the same exact event of receiving the Holy Spirit with the evidence of speaking with other tongues. That was the plan of the Lord from before the foundation of the world. And I believe that was the plan of the Lord even for Adam. Uh, And this is a a little bit of my opinion, but uh, how many trees did the Lord Lord, um, identify in the garden by name? Two of them, right? What What were the two trees? Tree of life and the tree of what? Um, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. So uh, which one did the Lord tell him not to eat of? Tree of knowledge of good and evil. Which one did the Lord never mention about not eating of? Tree of life, right? Well, why didn't he eat of the tree of life? Well, we know they didn't because the Lord said, well, we can't, we've got to throw them out of the garden before they eat of the tree of life. Uh, and so uh, my opinion is the tree of life was a representation of the Holy Spirit, of being filled with the Holy Spirit. And I believe it was God's desire that once Adam reached a certain maturity level, that he was to eat of the tree of life and be filled with the Holy Spirit because that's the example that Jesus gave to us. And Jesus was alive, uh, alive unto God when he came into the earth, right? He never went through the age of accountability like, like the rest of mankind does because he was always alive unto God and he didn't have the sin nature in him and he never committed a sin. So Jesus was alive unto God the whole time and yet uh, what happened when he went to the River Jordan? So the Holy Spirit descended upon him like a dove, right? And so he received the Holy Spirit, but not until he was at a certain maturity level. Uh, and I believe it was God's plan that Adam would eat of the tree of life, which was a representation of the Holy Spirit. Uh, and because that's the example that Jesus left us, and he never did. Before he got to that point, he chose to go and, and violate the, the plan and will of God by eating of the tree of the knowledge of good and evil. Uh, and so nothing that's really got to do with healing, but it's still good information, right? Uh, and so, uh, so uh, we're back, let's go back then to 1 Corinthians chapter 6 there. Uh, 
So we have the Holy Spirit in us, uh, and, and that's a good thing, right? Uh, which he said, what know you not that your body is the temple of the Holy Ghost, or the container, right, of the Holy Ghost, which is in you, which you have of God, and you are not your own. And then he tells us why, why we are not our own. He says, for you have been bought with a price, therefore glorify God in your body and in your spirit, which are God's. So you were bought with a price, a great price, right? And I don't think we mentioned that the one translation says that you have been redeemed at infinite cost, right? That's the, the Weymouth translation says that. I like that translation. You have been redeemed, or the word bought there uh, is also uh, translated as the word uh, redeemed, right? You, uh, the word redeemed means to be purchased. Uh, and so we were bought at infinite cost. So that's what it cost for you to receive the Lord Jesus was an infinite cost, amen? amen. Uh, and so that's how much the Lord thinks of you. Uh, you know, a lot of people act like uh, we're redheaded stepchildren of the Lord and, he, and you know, he tolerates us and puts, us, puts up with us, you know, but he doesn't really care that much about us. And yet uh, you wouldn't pay a great price for something that you thought was not very valuable, amen? Uh, I mean, you, you know, we look at houses every now and then we go, there's no way that house is worth that much, right? And yet people think it's made out of gold, right? And so they're selling it like it's made out of gold. Uh, and it's like, that, that, no way. Now, I, now, see, I always say, well, I hope they get it. I'm not going to give it to them, but I hope they get everything they're asking for that house uh, because they think it's of great value. I don't think it's nearly that valuable, uh, uh, but the owner does. Uh, and so I'm unwilling to pay that great price uh, for that property. Yet the Lord looked at you and said, you are, you are of infinite value, therefore I'm going to give an infinite price for you. That's what the Lord thinks, you're, uh, thinks of you, that you are of infinite value, because you'd only be of infinite value if he was willing to give an infinite price for you. So that's what he prayed for you, an infinite price for you. Amen? If he paid an infinite price for you, he paid an infinite price for me. So that's, that's the value uh, that he thinks you're worth, is infinite value. So that's, that's pretty good. Amen? Uh, and so... <clears throat> So uh, then, then he goes on and he starts talking about uh, the word redeemed a little bit more in detail. Uh, we had read uh, last week, uh, um, Revelation chapter 5, 9, says for the, uh, I'll just read it here, you don't have to turn there, but he said, they sung a new song saying, thou art worthy to take the book and open the seals thereof, for thou wast slain and hast redeemed us to God by thy blood. So that's how we know back in 1 Corinthians six twenty that we were redeemed or bought. Uh, well, what was the price? Well, uh, Revelation 5, 9 tells us that we were bought by the blood out of every kindred and tongue and people and nation. And so is the blood of Jesus valuable? It's infinitely valuable, right? Yeah. Is, it, is it important to know what it did? It's very important to know what it did because it's the foundation for us moving from uh, being a Gentile outside the kingdom of heaven into the kingdom of heaven as children of God. So we're thankful for the blood of Jesus. Amen. That's what, what got us there. Uh, and so... And we know, according to the book of Hebrews, that without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sins. So the blood had two primary uh, uh, things that it did for us. Number one, uh, it paid for our sins, right? It, uh, uh, the remission of our sins or the removal of our sins was paid for by blood that was shed. And then uh, ownership was our ownership was changed from being owned by the devil to being owned by God by the purchase price of the blood. So the blood paid, paid for our sins, but it also paid for your life to be moved out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of his dear son. So uh, he said here, 
uh, that this, this word redeemed in uh, Revelation 5-9 is the same exact word as the word uh, bought in uh, 1 Corinthians chapter 6. So uh, it, uh, th that's what the word redeemed means, is to purchase, right? It's a, it's a business transaction. The Lord went into a business transaction uh, with the devil. Uh, and that sounds like heresy, but it's not, right? If he bought it, who did he buy it from? Who did he buy us from? He didn't buy us from Walmart, right? He didn't buy us from Dollar General Store. He bought us from who owned us. Well, Jesus said that uh, our father was the devil, right? That's what he told the, the, the uh, Pharisees in John 8, 44. Ye are of your father the devil. Uh, and so we were, uh, we were slaves to sin, the Bible said, prior to us being born again. And so he bought us, he bought us as slaves, amen? He went to the slave auction, uh, and, you know, people putting up, you know, I'll give you a nickel for that guy. You know, I'll give you three cents for that guy. And Jesus said, I'll give you infinity for that guy. Right. And so they said sold to the, to the man with, with the blood there. Uh, and so he went into a business transaction with the devil. He didn't steal us. He didn't, he didn't uh, win us through warfare. He purchased us. Amen. He didn't attack the devil and beat him up and, and, and confiscate us from the devil. He went into a legally binding contract with the devil uh, and said, what's the cost for, for their soul? Uh, and the devil said, it's an infinite cost. And Jesus said, I'll pay that. Amen. That's what redeem means is to purchase us. Amen. Uh, and so, uh, you know, it, it sounds, some people think, well, that sounds like heresy. Well, it's not heresy, right? It's, it's, it's just simple, uh, it's simple uh, business uh, uh, transactions here. Uh, and so we're in 1 Corinthians chapter 6. Let's turn over then to, to Romans chapter 8. So let's spend a little time talking about redemption, a, a little bit more detail about redemption. Uh, and so, so remember he said in, in 1 Corinthians 6.20 that, that he bought our spirit and our body. Amen. So we bought our body. Then who actually owns your body? God does, right? So who, uh, who is responsible for property? Is it the, is it the owner's? or the people living at, the, at that location. Uh, it's the owners, right? Uh, and so uh, when we first got married, we rented a house. Uh, and, you know, I'm thinking, okay, we're married. You know, we want to save some money. Let's go find a, you know, a hole in the ground. Cheap, right? Dirt cheap. That's what I wanted, right? Even when we bought a house, I'm thinking dirt cheap. Uh, and, and Chris is like, no, that's my, 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 uh, uh, my goal is not dirt cheap, right? And so she found this house. Uh, and it rented for $370 a month. And I thought, that is absurd. You are crazy. $370 a month, right? Uh, uh, and so wouldn't it be nice to have a house that, that you rented for $370 a month today, right? Uh, and so uh, she's thinking, that's the house. And I'm thinking, you know, there's something, there's something wrong with you. And the, Lord, uh, the Lord's like, uh, like he told Abraham, you go listen to Sarah. Remember that? Uh, when, when Sarah said, you need to get rid of Hagar. And Abraham went and pouted off in the wilderness. And the Lord said, shut up, you big baby. Go back and do what Sarah, your wife, told you to do. Uh, and so is it biblical to listen to your wife? Well, the Lord told Abraham to listen to his wife, right? The Lord said, you go do what she wants to do. Uh, and so I did it. And, uh, and it was a good house. Uh, and uh, it was a great location. Uh, it was uh, on King Street there. And so, uh, but one winter, the, uh, the heat quit working. Well, did I call up the HVAC guy to come fix the heat? No, I called the owner. Hey, your heat's not your heat your pump's not working. I want you to come fix it. And the first time he did, the second time he ghosted us, and you know we had to go get some some heater somewhere because uh, he's like, would you quit bothering me? Well, the Lord's not a, not ever bothered by us. Amen. 
Is, is he going to do that? Lord, uh, the body you bought here is acting up. I need you to heal it. Is he going to ghost you? And go, blah, 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 blah. I can't hear you. I don't you know. You're, you're bothering me too much. You know, you're asking for me. No, he's, he's not going to do that. Amen. If you call and say, hey, the heat's not working. He, he, I'll get right on that. Amen. <clears throat> and so, so he, he owns your body. He's responsible for, for your body. Now, you're a caretaker of that, just like you are if you rent a, a, a house. You're the caretaker. You're not allowed to punch holes in a wall, even though people do, right? We find holes in floors. How do you get a hole in a floor, right? I mean, that, that's really, that's to me, to this day, you know, I, I, I want to, how did you do that? You, can you rewind? Did you have a video of that? I mean, I could send a hole in a wall, right? People get mad and they kick holes in the walls. Uh, they shouldn't, but they do, right? How do you get, how do you get a hole in the floor? Uh, I mean, you, you, you've seen all kinds of things, right? Uh, but that's just, to me, it's the oddest thing, right? Uh, well, you know, you should take care of the body that the Lord gave you. You should mistreat it, amen? Uh, but still, even if you treat it right, something, sometimes things just go uh, haywire, amen? I mean, if you're a renter and things go, uh, if you're treating the, the rental in, uh, the way you should, you know, the, uh, the light might quit working. Even if you change the light bulb, it might still not work. You know, the heat might quit working or something. You, you call the owner. You've gone as far as you've done. You've taken care of it the way you should. But still, at the end of the day, it's something beyond your ability to, to fix uh, or your responsibility to fix. So then you go up the food chain. You go to the owner of the property. Well, you know, you should feed your body well. You should bathe it once a week, whether it needs it or not, you know, and, and, and take care of it, right? Change the clothes every so often. Uh, but still, if, if something's not working, uh, can you fix it? Well, you don't have the ability to fix it, right? You don't have the goods. You don't have the, the finances to fix it. I mean, if, you know, if it's, in, it's covered in insurance, it's fine. But there's a lot of things that, that doesn't matter how much money you got, you can't fix it. Amen? And so what are you going to do? You call the owner. Hey, Lord, your body here, it's your body. I, I mean, I'm taking good care of it, you know, unless you tell me I need, I need to do something different. Uh, but it's your body. You need to fix this thing. Because uh, you own it. Doesn't he own it? You were bought with a price. He said, uh, your body uh, is, has been bought with a price. <clears throat> and so that's what the word redeemed means. Uh, and so let, let's read here in Romans chapter 8 then, oh, in verse uh, 23. So you remember we're going through four different witnesses about, about these things. This is uh, the third witness about Paul. We went through uh, the prophet Isaiah, then Peter. Now we're looking at Paul's uh, uh, information related to healing. Uh, and so he, he's covering redemption uh, in a big way because if you understand redemption, then it's easy to believe in healing. Amen. If you understand that you were purchased and that ownership was transferred from, from you and really the devil to, uh, to the Lord, then you understand who's, who's ultimately responsible for the care and, and the healing of your body when it's not operating correctly. Uh, and so, now our bodies were designed originally in, with perfection. Amen. He, did, he didn't make a subpar body with Adam uh, that was subject to sickness and disease. But Adam's sin and, and death came into the world by Adam. And, and because of death, then, then what, what is the goal of every German virus in, in the earth today? To kill you, right? Every germ left unchecked in your body would kill you. Amen? People with, with compromised immune systems could die from, from a simple cut, could die from a simple cough uh, because they have reduced immune systems. And so every German virus in the earth would kill you if, if left unchecked, if your body didn't have uh, uh, the ability to, to short-circuit a lot of that 
uh, in a normal process of living, then you would die, amen? But sometimes uh, your body and its, and its ability to overcome that uh, is limited for whatever reason. And part of it is because, you know, over time, the, this death that has come into the world has affected our physical bodies and allowed them to not be 100% the way they were designed to be. And, and the only way that we can fix that is by faith. If we believe God that, that our bodies can be 100%, then we can move uh, towards that 100% goal and live free from sickness and disease. But you can only do that by faith. So wherever your body is at is, is a culmination of all your ancestors before you and all the DNA that they had and the good DNA and the DNA that's been twisted by the, the sin of the world. Um, then you inherited all of that and then you get born again. And so you have to fix those shortcomings by your faith. Uh, and so... It can be fixed by faith, but you have to exercise faith. It doesn't happen automatically, amen? Uh, and so uh, then he says uh, in Romans chapter 8, let's start here in, um, well, let's see, well, we could start anywhere, but uh, uh, let's just start in verse 18. That's a good place to start there. He says, for I reckon, this is Paul writing, for I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that shall, which shall be revealed in us. So I, I really like uh, verse 18, right? I reckon that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory which shall be revealed in us. Uh, and so uh, uh, have, have we gone through uh, things in this earth? Do we go through things in this earth? We do. Uh, how big of a deal do we need to make these events that we go through in, in the earth? Paul said they're not, they're not even worthy to be compared, right? It's like, oh... Uh, my life's been so hard, and, but someday, you know, I'll be in glory and it'll be so wonderful, but right now it's so hard. Paul said that comparison shouldn't even, shouldn't even be made at all. It's not like, well, you know, I've got this hard of a life, you know, right now, but someday I'll have this much glory when I get into heaven. And so, you know, this much glory is going to cancel out that much suffering. Paul said, no, it's not even close. Don't even uh, try to compare it. It's not worthy to be compared. Amen. So whatever difficulties you go through in life are not worthy to be compared uh, to the glory. And, and really the sufferings that he's talking about is not talking about uh, sickness and disease. It's talking about primarily persecution. And he says, for the earnest expectation of the creature, that's us, waiteth for the manifestation of, of the sons, sons of God. For the creature was made subject to vanity, not willingly, but by reason of him who hath subjected the same in hope. <clears throat> because the creature itself also shall be delivered from this bondage of corruption into the glorious liberty of the children of God. Uh, and so there is corruption or decay uh, in, in this physical body, amen? Uh, and so what he's working towards is what, what the, we're going to get to eventually. He said, for we know that the whole creation groaneth and travaileth in pain together until now. So, the, so verse 22 is an interesting verse here because the whole of creation, it's not limited to just your body. The whole of creation is everything that we see, right? The earth, the sun, the moon, the stars, uh, everything but primarily the earth here, uh, is groaning and travailing in pain. Uh, so why is the earth groaning and travailing in pain? Because it's been touched by sin, right? Uh, every, uh, everything that humanity has been involved with has been touched by sin. Uh, and so uh, it is travailing in pain because it was made by God, right? It was made by God to live in a perfect uh, creation uh, and then sin comes along uh, and starts infecting it. And so even the earth is travailing in pain 
and, uh, and groans right now because of sin. And so that's why at some point in time, we will get a new heaven and the new earth, right? And even heaven, heaven is a creation of God. It lives in the realm of the spirit, but it was created by God. Uh, and uh, who was in heaven before the fall? Lucifer was, right? Lucifer, the, the archangel, the, the anointed cherub uh, of the Lord. He, he was uh, um, uh, in heaven with the Lord. He was on the earth as well. Uh, and the Bible says sin was found in him. Well, when sin was found in him, he polluted everything that he touched. Well, he touched some things in heaven. Uh, and so, though, so, so anything that's been touched by sin has to be removed, and we have to get a new one. It can't be fixed, amen, uh, for whatever reason. And once it's touched by sin... You know, it can be uh, uh, like our physical bodies have been touched by sin. So it can be maintained, uh, but it can't be completely fixed. Uh, and so, uh, in fact, your spirit man was completely replaced, right? We got a brand new spirit. We didn't just get a, a patched over spirit, you know, a painted over spirit. In the Old Testament, the doctrine was atonement, which with the blood was covered you. That's the atonement. But in the new covenant, it's redemption, right? We get a brand new one. Uh, and so in the, in the new covenant, we don't, we're not atoned. Atonement is not a new covenant uh, terminology, even though the English word is used in the new covenant, but it, it was a mistranslation. Uh, the new covenant is redemption, right? We have been completely uh, uh, replaced. Uh, everything's been completely replaced. Our body, or first of all, our spirits were made born again, right, by the, by the spirit of God. Um, and so, so everything that's, gonna be, that's been touched will be replaced at some point in time. The first thing in that list was our spirit man. Our spirit man was the first one to be replaced. Uh, and eventually, everything will be replaced. New heaven, new earth, new body. Everything that's been touched by sin will either be replaced, which is in relation to God's covenant, or will be placed in a place where it can't impact anything else, right? So the devil, uh, in all of his cohorts, they're going to be thrown in a lake of fire. So they're not going to be replaced. They're going to be put in, in eternal uh, jail uh, away from the rest of God's creation. So he's going to separate all, all of that sin, put it in the lake of fire, uh, and uh, separate it from humanity uh, and the rest of his creation. And then at that point, then he's going to give us a new heaven and new earth. Amen. Well, that's, you know, that's a long time in the future. Amen. It's at least a thousand and seven years because we've got to go through seven years of tribulation and then a thousand years uh, of, uh, uh, of the, uh, uh, the Lord being on the earth, thousand year reign of the earth, of the Lord on the earth, and then we get a new heaven and a new earth. And so it's a ways out there. And, and somewhere along the way, we will get a new body. We don't know exactly when that occur. Uh, I suspect that it, it occurs uh, at uh, the rapture there. Uh, but he says uh, in um, uh, verse 22 that, that all of creation groaneth in trail and pain until now. And not only they, but ourselves also, which have the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves grown within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit, the redemption of our what? Of our body, right? And so uh, here uh, uh, he talks about that we're waiting for the redemption of our body. Uh, and so uh, if we're redeemed, you know, uh, why are we waiting for our redemption? Well, he, he starts going into some detail about uh, these Greek words. And this is why I think it's important to study these types of things, because uh, we see the word redeemed or bought in 1 Corinthians 6.20. We see the rede word redeemed here. We see the word redeemed in Revelation 5.9. Uh, well, are they all the same words? Well, they're not all the same words. So that's why it's helpful to 
to go back and look at, um, <clears throat> look at what does this particular word redeem mean. And so sometimes, uh, you know, really the translators could have given us more information, right? They could have said redeemed immediately, but, you know, uh, but you see the full consequence later on. And you get some translations that will do that, right? Uh, like the Amplified Bible sometimes will do that. Uh, we got one we call, I think it's called the Twitty. They just, they didn't even try. They just, every word had the full definition of, of the whole thing. And so every verse is a thousand words long. And so, uh, it, but it does give you some more insight about these words. And so that's why we, that's why we study, amen? Uh, and so here in, in Romans 8, 23, this word redeemed says that we're waiting for the redemption of our body. Uh, it, it, it means here to set free after a ransom has been paid. Uh, and so, uh, is it the full the full, full word means a setting free of what has already been ransomed? So, when when were we bought? When when did the uh, redemption take place? When when did a transaction to purchase us from the devil take place? At the cross, really, uh, in fullness, it was at the resurrection, right? But it start, it started uh, at the cross. Uh, the final work of redemption really began at the cross and ended at the res, at the resurrection. Uh, and so, uh, was the, when was the blood shed? At the cross, right? So the blood was shed at the cross. So that's when the price was paid, amen? Uh, and so, but, and for some things, we can receive the, the work of that redemption right now. So everybody that gets saved today, uh, right? I mean, somebody in the world is getting saved right now. We don't know who it is, but somebody right this second is getting saved. Everybody in here saved, right? If we need to get anybody saved, we're going to get saved right now, right? but I think everybody in here is saved on the way to heaven, born again. Uh, but everybody that gets saved today in the world, when was their redemption paid for? At the cross, right? So they've been redeemed for 2,000 years, but they only now are receiving the payment, or they're receiving the end of that payment that occurred 2,000 years ago, right? So, so the payment was made 2,000 years ago. They receive the work of that payment today by accepting the Lord Jesus. Uh, and so... So there was a, a delay in that regards, right? Uh, and so, but as soon as they receive the Lord Jesus, their spirit man is made brand new. So, so really, in that sense, there's no time difference from the time that they uh, uh, accept the work of the Lord till they receive the end of the redemption for their spirits. That occurs immediately, amen? But uh, in... Um, uh, when it comes to your body, uh, this word here is a different word to redeem. So in, uh, in 1 Corinthians 6.20, this says you were bought with a price or redeemed with a price. Uh, there's no time component in that. Amen. So your spirits were, were bought, and that was the end of it right there. Uh, but in, in Romans 8.23, he's giving us more information that the redemption of our body, he said this word redemption, uh, also translated with the same English word, but it's a different Greek word, has a time component in it, uh, which means that it was paid for at one time, but then when you actually get to take advantage of that redemption will be some time in the future. So uh, when, when we got born again, we immediately received our spirits to be made brand new. So that's an immediate, uh, there's no time component in that part of redemption. But for our bodies, the full redemption occurs uh, when we get a glorified body, amen? So the, the price for our glorified body has already been paid for, but we don't receive that until sometime in the future. <clears throat> and so, so, uh, and so that, that's why he talks about that we are waiting for 
the redemption of our body. Uh, and when he's talking about the redemption of our body, he is getting a brand new one, right? And so we were paid, uh, uh, Jesus paid for the price to get you a brand new body. Uh, you don't have it yet, so between now and then, you've got to maintain the one that you've got, amen? And you do that by faith. And so your spirit man, on the other hand, uh, has already, if, it's, if, it, uh, if you've accepted the Lord Jesus, then you're immediately redeemed. You get the, the full brand new spirit right now. Uh, the heaven and the earth, that's going to come even after all of that. Amen. Uh, and so, so let's turn to Galatians uh, 3.13 here. Again, back to that verse. And then we're about, we're about out of time here. So, so why does it matter? Well, it matters because you don't want to have you don't want to have confusion in your doctrine of, well, I thought we were redeemed at the cross. So why does it say we're waiting for redemption of our bodies? Does that mean that something else has to happen for the Lord to redeem our bodies? No, it just means that, that uh, the price has been paid, but you haven't received uh, with that price purchased, which is a brand new body, amen? Uh, and so then he says uh, in Galatians 3.13, we know the verse, Christ hath redeemed us from the curse of the law, being made a curse for us, for it is written, curses everyone that hangeth on a tree. And so, again, this word redeem means to buy out from under. Uh, so he bought, out, he bought us out from under the curse. So if he bought us out from under the curse, then uh, are we still under the curse? No, we talked a lot about that this morning. We're going to talk some, a lot more about this verse on Sunday mornings. Uh, but since you're here, we get to talk a little bit about it. Uh, if we've been redeemed from the curse of the law then if we go in the Old Covenant and look for curses of the law, then anywhere we find uh, a curse of the law, which you should put out in your margin, you should say, not applicable, not applicable, N slash A, right? Uh, anywhere that says a curse that happens that you do something wrong, N-A, not applicable to me because I've been purchased out from under uh, the curse. <clears throat> and of course, uh, this has always been really hard for people to do, but I, I do this because hopefully uh, we'll make it where it's easy. But... Uh, I asked a question, if you, if you commit a sin right now, just right now, right, whatever it is, you just, you know, uh, eat a third donut when you weren't supposed to, or whatever the sin is, right? If you did this right now, would you be cursed because you sinned? And, you know, some people go, I think so, yeah, because you sinned, right? And yet, it, but it says, we were redeemed from the curse of the law. So, so first of all, who is the curse for? Is it for the righteous, people who never do wrong? People who never do wrong, would they ever be cursed? No. So the righteous, are un, they're not qualified to receive the curse. So the curse is for who? For those who do wrong. Well, if, you, if you've been redeemed from the curse and then you do wrong, well, then, then now you're cursed. Well, then what were you redeemed from? If you do the very thing that would get you the curse in the old covenant and the new covenant and you get cursed in the new covenant, then you weren't really redeemed from the curse because if you did the exact same thing in the old covenant uh, to get cursed that you do in the new covenant and you get cursed, then yeah, I redeemed you, but nothing's changed. Well, then you didn't, no, you didn't really get redeemed, did you? And it's really hard for people to accept that. So I have to say, if you sin right now, are you cursed? The church, oh yeah, absolutely. Well, then Galatians 3.13 is to be thrown out the door because the curse is only applies to people who do wrong, Amen. And, and the only people who need to be redeemed from the curse is those who did wrong. And so if you've been redeemed from the curse, now you're no longer qualified to receive the curse if you do wrong today, if you commit a sin today in the church, right now, born again on the way to heaven, if you committed a sin. You reckon anybody in the church has ever committed a sin? 
Well, sure, right? Uh, there may be some people when I was preaching this morning who might have said, I don't believe that at all. That's a lie. You know, he's lying. You know, well, that's fine. You know, but um, uh, so that it's really hard for people to answer that question, right? If you commit a sin right now, are you crushed? Oh, yeah. Nope. 100% wrong. Because if it's true that if you commit a sin today and you're cursed, then what does it mean to be redeemed from the curse? What does it mean? It doesn't mean anything, right? It means that, yeah, you were redeemed, but you're still under the curse. Because the curse only comes when you commit an infraction, right? No curses come from doing good. You, Lord, I'm, I'm following your law. Curse on you. Lord, I'm doing what you said to do. Yeah, curse on you. No, that doesn't happen. Nobody who, who does right gets cursed, amen? Only people who do wrong get cursed. So the redemption from the curse is only for those who do wrong. Amen? Is that, does that not make sense? It makes, you know, in my simple mind, it makes sense, right? But people make this really complicated. No, if you sin, you're under the curse. Well, then what were you redeemed from? That's a valid question, right? And so, uh, in my simple mind, it's uh, pretty simple, right? So, this word redeemed, again, it's a slightly different word. It means to buy out from under. So, we were under the curse before, because everybody was sinning before. So, now we're no longer under the curse. Amen? So, before, the curse was hanging over us. If we sin, it, it rained on us. Amen? So now we're just not under the curse. If we sin, there's no curse over us waiting to come rain down upon us. Amen? So we've been redeemed uh, from the curse because we've been bought from under that curse. So, <clears throat> uh, so the payment uh, for redemption has already occurred. Amen? Uh, and uh, we will never need to have a purchased uh, price to occur or, or a transaction to occur again. But there are some things that we have not fully experienced yet with one of them being the full redemption of our bodies, right? Or the full realization of what was paid for. Uh, you know, there's a lot of things you can go, if you want something right now, you drive to the store and you pick it up, right? But some things you don't care how long it takes, you get online, you buy the cheapest one, but then you have to wait. You paid for it, it belongs to you, it, it's got your name on it, it's being shipped from here to there. You don't have it today, you'll get it tomorrow or the next day. Uh, and of course, nowadays, it's like, three days? That's forever, well, you know, how, how do people live with three-day shipping, right? Uh, nowadays, uh, uh, some, there's been things we've shipped, uh, ordered early in the morning, and still gets there that day. It's amazing, right? And that's probably our friend Doris over there picking at the, at the Amazon. And uh, yeah, expedite this one. It's going to a friend of mine. And so, uh, so, uh, but, so there are some things that uh, everything was purchased at the cross, but there are some things that we don't receive until sometime in the future. One of them being the full redemption of our bodies. And the full redemption of our bodies means that just like our spirits were replaced 100%, our bodies will, will be replaced 100%. Uh, and so, <clears throat> uh, but that won't occur between, now, between uh, now and it'll occur at some point in the future, amen? And so we'll pick this up next week and look at, uh, there's a bunch of things in the book of Ephesians uh, that gives us some more uh, insight into that. Again, it gives us a little bit better uh, clarity on these things about our bodies. So whenever you see that phrase there, uh, that we're waiting for the redemption of our bodies in, in Romans 8.23, that's talking about the purchase of a new body that belongs to you. It's got your name on it. It'll be given to you at some point in the future, but you don't have it now. So between now and then, you have the body that you got that's, that's subject to death, right? The, the glorified body won't be subject to death. Uh, the body that you have right now uh, gets tired, gets irritable. You know, it needs to be maintained. Uh, the body that we get in the future 
Uh, it'll probably still get tired because, you know, if, if you're going to eat, then there's a, there's a need for fuel and need for uh, sleep and things like that. Uh, and so how different will our glorified body be? Well, uh, I know for two things for sure. One is it will not be subject to death. And two, it will not be subject to sickness and disease. Amen. Uh, and so, but the body we do now have is subject to death at some point in time. Uh, and so there's no promise in the word that says your body that you have right now will live forever. So uh, it, it does talk about uh, in, um, in Genesis chapter 6 that you can have 120 years. Uh, and I believe that's God's fullness desire. In fact, if you look at all of humanity, uh, it, it's uh, uh, without, without anybody trying to game the system, Moses wrote that. That's in Genesis chapter 6, that mankind would be capped off at 120 years. There's no human being that lives 120 years. They'll get close, right? There, there's a lot of people get close, 105, 110, 115, you know. Uh, but right now, there's no humans living past 120. Uh, it's just unheard of. And even if it did, you know, it, it's, it's not going to be 130, 140, 150, or even Abraham, who lived, I think, about 175 years old. You know, nobody's living that, that age. Uh, and so, because that's the cap that the Lord put on, on humanity. Uh, that nobody will live that long because of sin, right? Uh, and so, but when we get a glorified body, that cap will be removed and we'll live in our, our glorified bodies uh, forever, amen? Uh, and so uh, we'll stop there. We'll pick up uh, in uh, the book of Ephesians next week. Uh, but it's, it's helpful to understand about redemption because we see these phrases like we're waiting on the redemption for our bodies. Well, if you just read that casually, you would think, well, then Jesus has to come back and do something else to pay for that redemption. No, it's bought and paid for, but we haven't received the fullness of it because there's a time component in that particular Greek word. Uh, and so let's pray and thank the Lord for his word today. So Father, we do thank you for your word. And Father, we thank you that uh, everything that needed to be bought and paid for was bought and paid for at the cross. Uh, Lord, there's nothing else that you have to do to redeem us. You've done everything that, that will ever need to be done. And so Father, we thank you that someday we'll get a, we'll get a glorified body, not subject to death or sickness or disease. Uh, but right now, Father, uh, uh, we will not live forever in this physical body and we will have to apply faith to resist sickness and disease. Uh, Father, the, the body that we get in the future will be designed in such a way that it will be impervious to sickness and disease, but that's not the body we have today. And so by faith, Father, we live free from sickness and disease by resisting the power of darkness uh, through the faith of your word, knowing that someday, Father, that level of faith will not be necessary because we have a body that, that will not be subject to that. But we thank you, Father, that we do have faith today. We thank you we can't live free from sickness and disease today. Father, it's not a limitation that, that uh, we can't overcome. Uh, we can overcome all of these things by faith in your word and by your spirit. And we, so we thank you for these things, Father, in Jesus' name. Amen. <clears throat> well, praise God. Well, let's get ready to receive this afternoon's offering. You know, people would, would meditate on 1 Corinthians chapter 6, 20 about how that our bodies have been bought with a price uh, and, and meditate on, well, who owns it? And if God owns it, then that makes them responsible. If they would just meditate on that just concept there in general, it would help them to believe in, uh, uh, in divine health, amen? A lot of people don't believe in divine health and it's like, well, why don't you believe in divine health? Because God owns your body. Right? Wouldn't he be responsible for taking care of it? Uh, if, if our bodies are the way they are, and come ahead, Mr. Jared, and receive the offering. If our bodies are the way they are, and I'm talking about in general, on average, full of sickness and disease and limitations, aches and pains. Uh, and I mean, if you bought a car 
that every time he started up, you know, a, a tire blew, or every time he drove down the, the, the road, a window would fall out, or every time he tried to run it, you know, it, 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 the gas would leak out and it wouldn't work. You'd be like, uh, hey, fix, you know, I bought this car. You need to fix it, right? I didn't buy it for all these things. And there's a lemon law that says if you buy a car and it's a piece of junk, you can take it back, get your full refund. <clears throat> and so uh, because you, you wouldn't put up with that, and yet people put up with their bodies not working right and their bodies not, not uh, being well and being... And it's like, well, you don't even own it. God owns it. And if he's not taking care of it, you know, I want to, see, I want to talk to the manager. Yep. Right? You own this. You're not taking care of it. You know, you're supposed to take care of it. Well, it's too expensive to take care of it. Well, you know, that's not my problem. You're, you're the one who owns it. Amen. If you lease a car, you expect them to take care of it. Amen. Uh, and so praise God. Well, uh, be blessed. Have a wonderful week. And uh, we'll see you all, well, I guess on Wednesday, right?